Blog Talk Radio. From Washington, D.C., this is Caroline. Each week, we bring you the best conversations, news, interviews, and politics here on Caroline. To hear the show live, check us out each Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or listen on the go by downloading this podcast from iTunes. Hello and welcome to Caroline. Long time no speak, no hear. Um, the holidays are over, the elections have come and gone, uh, the inauguration has begun, has started, well actually it's over, but the, there is new management in the White House, thank goodness, Bush is gone, um, so much has happened since the last time I've talked to you guys. Um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's been so much action, action in the political scene and in the world of politics. Um, but let's start off with, uh, of course, we know who won the election and who won the majority of the Senate and House seats. Um, hmm. Begins with a D. Democrats, can you say Democrats? Anyway, I know that I didn't send out an email blast uh, this week letting everyone know that I would begin uh, taping shows again um, as of this date. What I'll do is um, when you're hearing this probably, well, most of you who are on my listserv, what I'll do is just send this out on my uh, listserv tomorrow or tonight, and um, then as you begin it next week, then you guys will know that I'm on again at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, here on Caroline. But anyway, getting back to the news at hand, um, I mean, there's so much stuff being bounced around in December and uh, during the holiday uh, era, <laughs> I call it era, um, Roland Burris who is now officially the junior senator from Illinois, who the Democrats had indicated that he would not be seated as a senator. You know, I keep thinking about that, and I cannot figure out how they thought they could get away with that uh, legally because, um, unfortunately, you know, we all know, and I have to get in this later, the issues with the Illinois governor who appointed him, but in the same token, how could they legally not seat this man because it's written in the Constitution, it's a constitutional law that the governor does have the right, the privilege, actually, to nominate a uh, the senator. So, um not sure how they could thought they could have got away with that, even though there is a cloud or would be a cloud over this particular seat. And the other thing regarding this, I'm not sure why 
the governor picked this particular guy because, um, well, one, maybe I do know, maybe it has something to do with race, but in the same token, um, this guy, Burris, you know, the gray area in the cloud is, is he able to win the seat back? And, you know, it's my understanding that he agreed not to run for the seat when it comes up in two years. But how can you tell someone they can't run, and then if he runs, you know, he has the the possibility or the potential of losing the seat to a Republican, and that's the uh, the issue there in regards to Burson Pitt. But, you know, the other piece of that, going back to race, I was a little um, taken back by the fact that uh, – Congressman Bobby Rush and uh, Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. Uh, pushed the race card in this. I, you know, regardless of who uh, Blagovich would have picked, there would have been a cloud over that person, regardless of race. It wasn't a race issue. It was the fact that it was the Illinois governor who was nominating this person, and that is why there was a cloud. Now, in the same token, I still see where they were going with this because there are not any African-Americans in the Senate or would not have been in the Senate if it wasn't for birth. But then you have to get elected. And, of course, there, you know, that's women few that get elected to the Senate um, from different states. But, again, when it all comes down to it, when these two years are up, does birth have the – the potential to be or to to win the seat back, that's the problem. And, again, regardless of the fact that of his race, he, he he's in it now, but he's black. And will he be able to be nominated or elected back into that seat on his own accord? He says he's not going to run, and if, and if someone does run, who will it be? Will it be Jesse Jackson Jr., and will he be able to get the seat? I don't know. All of that piece is speculative, but, again, I say a whole new, whole other ball game, and we'll look at that in two years. But, again, I just don't um, understand the, the whole existence of that. And then now uh, we'll get into the Illinois governor a little later on, but this, this is crazy. Anyway, let's, let's uh, fast forward to New York. And uh, it was Caroline Kennedy who was the uh, potential nominee uh, by Governor Patterson. She drops out. Hmm. There's a story there, and I'd love to know that story. Um, And then, you know, we understand that Patterson has picked someone else, uh, female, um, who, who's already taken the oath for the office? I'm, 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 it's, I'm still taken back by the fact that there was this whole charade with Caroline Kennedy, and then right after the inauguration, the day after the inauguration, uh, it's a done deal. She's not in it anymore. And it's my understanding here, here uh, reports that I've heard that um, even the night of the inauguration, uh, Patterson still was under the impression that Kennedy wanted to see. And then the following day he gets a call and she's out. So I I, I don't think anyone's – well, I don't know that they're actually pursuing the story that hard, but there it has to be – that's a big story. And I'd like to know what the real deal is besides just personal reasons. 
Um, again, it's been speculated that um, it has something to do with uh, her uncle and the fact that, you know, he had the seizures during the lunching during the, um, after the inauguration. So I don't know if it's that or if it's even more personal than that. Um, speculation has it that um, she was afraid of um, them searching into her background and um, her issues with maybe nanny issues, tax issues. I don't know. But, um, there, again, there is a story there. Um, and, um, I, you know, I wonder if, too, if uh, she is, take, is going to take the time to um, really um, uh, maybe set up a uh, political action committee or something to um, look at potentially running for the seat herself in a couple of years. So I don't, and that could be the deal because I think she really wanted it. But you know, there was a lot of talk about the fact that she doesn't have any experience, or what is her experience? I think is the question that's been um, thrown around in regard to that. So we'll see. Again, time will tell. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, the switchboard is now open. The line is 202 Ah, wrong number. <laughs> the number is 347-945-7414. Ah, again, that's the wrong number. 347-945-7415. Again, the call-in number is 347-945-7415. 7415. See what happens when you take a break. You get a little rusty. You don't know what's going on. You don't even know what the call-in number is. Also, I'm opening up the chat room. Um, and, you know, normally I would already have this open. Uh, if you have any comments or any questions or concerns, or feel free to hit me in the chat room, and I will try to Verbalizer here live on the air. And give me one second to tell everybody welcome to Care Alive in the chat room. So once you come in. Anyway, then there was the inauguration. And uh, I think Obama did a great job during his speech, even though, of course, as I take a deep breath, uh, there were many who expected him to, um, I guess, uh, rail off a lot of rhetoric. But, you know, the man is now the president of the United States. And the rhetoric was for campaigning. And it is now time to get down to the business of governing this country. And that's what. I think many need to have recognized. You know, I just hit out of this chat room, so oh, every, everything is still fine. Um, back at it. Let's see. What else were we talking? Oh, the inauguration. Um, Obama again did a great job. I, you know, there's much to be said about. Um, <laughs> what Michelle was wearing and the fashions. But all in all, I think that the showing was great. Uh, I 
based on what I know, he was ready to get down to, again, the business of governing the country. Uh, it was good to see Bush go. Bush, uh, that's the other thing, the last two weeks, three weeks, Bush was trying to spin his legacy, uh, and I don't think he was successful at it. Um, for whatever reason, he feels that in the end, when the, when history is written and maybe 50 years from now, when historians look back and they see the results of what he did when he was in office, that uh, history will prove that he was right and that he was successful as a president. I hope I live long enough to see what history has to say. I'm really interested because from what I see and from what I can predict at this very moment, I don't think history will prove that he will be that successful. I have, I think, a caller on the air. Let me try to uh, pull this person in. Hello. Hello, welcome Hi. to Caroline. Hi. Hi, this is Justice. I was looking for your chat, but I see you don't have one. Yeah, so. I uh, put it is up. You don't can't pull it up. No. Let me try it again because I started it like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. So you. Oh, sorry, you, you have a. Where are you from, and do you have a comment? No, I was. I just came on. Okay. Okay. I'll let you know when I have a comment, but I do think you said that you don't think Obama's going to have a good term. Is that what you said? No, I did not say that. What did you say? (laughs) See, I just came in. I just came in. (laughs) No, I I did not. I said I was talking about the inauguration, and I was saying I think that he was – I said he's ready to get down to the business of governing the country. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just the opposite. Okay, but well, while you concerned, I just want to know my my thoughts. While you concerned with who um, the RNC is going to pick for the chairperson? I hadn't gotten there yet. Oh. But, but, I, but I, I hadn't gotten to that piece yet. Oh. But, um, you know, they have like six candidates, I think it is, or seven that are up. Two are African Americans. And, and who are they? Who are they? Um, Blackwell out of Ohio, who used to be the Secretary of State and former Lieutenant Governor of Maryland, who is Michael Steele. Mm-hmm. Both, are, yeah, both are black. And then um, I can't remember the other guy's name. I have to look at my list. But there's another guy I was going to talk about that's out of uh, Tennessee during the Christmas holidays who sent out the uh, um, CD to all the um, – other committee people that are on the RNC. Oh, okay. The Obama, the Magic Negro CD. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. No slate of people. So I, I'll get into that. But no. Um. But the reason I was I'm bringing it up is because I don't think the fact I think they're going to pick maybe one of the two African Americans. Don't know well, much don't, about Blackwell, but I, I'm not too keen on Steele. I'm Republican. Yeah, I'm, I'm Republican. Okay. But yeah, I, 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 I voted for Obama. But I don't think it's going to make a difference in Me how. Either. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah, why I, I'm a Republican now because it's not going to make a difference. Uh, you you know what? You could change maybe 
their behavior on the outside, but you can't change a person's thoughts. Right. And I'm saying that to say that he can't make them reach out. You've got a bunch of white boys up there with the white old boy club, and they're just not going to do it. And that's right. the bottom line. Right. And still not going to make them. Uh, we look at the last uh, inauguration that you had for the Republicans, uh, less than 40. And that have been that low in 40 years. Right, so right. So I tell you, you had a candidate, McCain, who didn't reach out. So how are you going to change all my, you know half of the Republicans are old white men. So you're not going to change those guys. Right. And, and that was very apparent during the uh, uh, the convention this year. Mm-hmm. At least I would say in 2000, the Republican Party did make an attempt to reach out. If you recall the convention in 2000. I was there. I was a national delegate. Yeah, it was it was a totally different atmosphere, at least from, from appearance-wise, from the outside looking in, than it was in 2008. Because Bush well, did you, you, reach out. Well, he reached out. Yeah, and the numbers of delegates dropped, too, in 2008. At least African-Americans. Well, you know, overall delegates dropped. Yes, I just told you, that's Right. I think it's like, you're right, 36 or something like that. And guess what? Uh, guess what? I bet you 20 of them came out of Texas because they're, they're very good to the black Republicans in Texas. They're very active. I bet you the th- 20 of them were out of one state. Wow. Wow. Now, that, I don't know what those stats are, but that would be interesting to find out. <laughs> that would be an interesting stat to know if a majority of them came out of Texas. Yeah, because they're real active. I get their emails all the time. But see, after I... Uh, Claire, that's your name, Claire, right? Kara, Kara. After I began to see that, uh, I just said, you know what? The Democrats, Republicans, neither one of them are doing things for the people. I'm going to be a Republican, whichever one is the best. <laughs> I and like so, that, Republican. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I tell you, uh, uh, so I guess they're going to try to put somebody black up there, but they don't think like the mainstream black, so really they just got a black face. Right, and and that's and you're absolutely right, and that's not going to happen. And I, that's you're going back to what you said about it being mostly white guys. From uh-huh. their perspective, if they have a black face representing, then they think that that's going to change the trajectory of the Republican <laughs> Party. And that can't do it. Just right. having a black face cannot do it. And I used to, I was on the. Um, County Central Committee, and I was a state delegate, and I would tell them, I said, you know, if you guys just go grab a black face, if they're not able to reach the mainstream, it's, it's useless. But see, they wouldn't use me because I'm too black for them. <laughs> and so they, uh, this, you know, that guy, that Armstrong guy, Armstrong William, yeah. those are the type that they like. It's always down, uh, berating the black folk. Blacks are always wrong, and I'm not going to do it. While I, while I have you on the line, and, and you since you said you're Republican or Republican-crat, uh-huh. um, I was going to ask you, uh, and I was going to talk about this later on, but since you're on the line, I want to see what your, your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. I understand that Sarah Palin has started a political action committee looking at um, uh, 20, 2012, uh-huh. maybe as a possibility as running for president, do you think that will help the Republican Party? No. Or will they back her? No. I, I, I personally don't think they will back her. I think the, the big boys in the party will clobber her before she really gets out of the starting gate. I'm going to tell you who they've already started raising money for, a young lady. Uh, it's gonna, they're going to run Mitt Romney. 
He's already starting his campaign up as we speak. Okay. He and that doesn't surprise me, right? <laughs> and uh-huh. I, I can I can see that, and I can see. And when I say the big boys, I was thinking Mitt Romney because I remember doing right after uh, the election mm-hmm. that I think it, yeah I saw Mitt Romney in an interview. Now, what, you, know, you know what what they might do surprisingly? I would not be surprised if they didn't run Mitt Romney, but because a lot of people are kind of afraid of his religion, they might put a black to go uh, with the I, I, You know, that might be their way. They'll right. find a black person, to, because I'm going to tell you, right down as it stands, I don't see anybody, <clears throat> the Republican side is going to be the Obama. I, and I, I can't imagine which black person they would have to run, and surely it wouldn't be Alan Keyes. Oh, no, but i tell you who would be, and I'm going to tell you something. I'll, I'll write this name down. I want okay. you to look him up. This okay. man is phenomenal, and you never heard about him. See, this is another thing, young lady, that's, that killed me with this party. This man is so outstanding, and nobody's heard about him. His name is Pierre Prosper, P-R-O-S. P E R. I will be googling this I'm later on tonight. I you're know right. I haven't is. heard that name before. Who is he and where is he from? What's what's his story? I'll tell you exactly who he is. Uh, he did over two hundred and something dangerous missions. He was the advisor to President Clinton. He was the advisor to Connie Rice and President Bush. He is the he's the first person to ever receive prosecutions against the country for genocide and rape. He's the one that freed Rwanda. Wow. Okay. And, he, and they have silenced this man. He came here to California to run for attorney general. And when they told that man he had to pay his dues, I said, well, if they're telling him that, none of us black folks will ever have a chance in this party. And so what has happened was um, he's just, Left, and I think the last I know, he's an ambassador of war crimes. But this man is amazing. Uh, and even the guy who said he has done, you know how they send out the literature during voting? You know how you get uh-huh. all those Yes. The guy said he has done Como. He was naming all the people that he has done their literature for a campaign. He said this, and sometimes you have to embellish because it didn't, you know, to make it read right. Said this man had so much stuff he didn't have enough room. The man is out impeccable. Now I I I did you did say something that makes my eyebrow raise. Why did they silence him? What what's this deal there? I, I, I don't say they silenced him. I say that oh. they did not promote him. Now I'll tell you, oh, I oh, talked oh. to Oprah show. I talked to Oprah show because I know she was interested in Africa. This was prior to her opening the school, and they were all gun ho. Then all of a sudden they canceled it. So I said, uh-huh, now the, uh, it, uh, I see why she canceled because she was going to ask Obama to run for president, and this man would outshine them. I mean, she could not be up there with remote this Republican with Obama. Now, don't get me wrong, Obama is outstanding, but I have never met black or white that outbeat this man. Wow, wow. Uh, who do you yeah, know to free the country? Who do you yeah. know to free the country? Yeah, I'm going to have to do my homework on him. I, I don't know anything about this guy. <laughs> and most people have it. And that, so this what tells me, why hasn't the party promoted this man? Right. With all of those credentials. See, when I saw things like that, I said, wait a minute, here's a man, impeccable, outstanding background. You're not going to find any hanky-panky, just clean as a whistle. 
why haven't why haven't they pushed him? So that's what made me become a, a Republican when I well, saw that. I just, it sounds like he has the credentials to pump up the Republican Party, at least from the minority aspect of it. So. You Let know, me they, tell you, not the just minority. All they can get at this moment. Not just a minority. I'm gonna tell you what. When he came out here to California, when the kid told his story, I'm talking about black, white, Asian. They all fell to their knees. Wow. He, he, he galvanized everybody. And his wow. parents are from Haiti, but he was born in New York and raised in Colorado. This is a man that's impeccable. So that what told me they should have been running him for president. He is presidential material. That's who they should have ran as opposed to McCain. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, I sure appreciate you calling. Thank you so much for your comments. And thank you. And just put me on mute so I can listen because this is how I listen through the phone. Okay. All right. Thank, I'll thank just, you. Thank you. Okay. Um, going back to... And we talked about a lot. Let me see. Where was I at on the Republicans? Well, since we were, we were talking about the Republicans, let me do a, uh, a shameless plug. Um, I just published my uh, new book. It's called A Profile of Hope. And there's a section in actually one of the chapters is called Can the Republican Party Survive Without Diversity? And I, I'll try to... Um, summarize or at least go through a bit of what I was talking about in this particular chapter. And I just did actually for a moment when we were talking about the um, the number of delegates that the Republican Party had this year versus in 2000. And um, the young lady I was just talking to was was an actual delegate in 2000. And, you know, it was obviously apparent the outreach that the Republican Party had in 2000. But in this particular chapter, I know I say historically African Americans were drawn to the Republican Party because it was the party of Lincoln. By the 1940s, the pendulum began to swing. Blacks began to lead the party because of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who had brought the country out of the Depression era with the New Deal. The New Deal provided programs such as Social Security, Federal Deposit Insurance Corp., the Federal Housing Administration, and these programs were successful in getting the country back on track and offer equal access and relief to minorities who had an obstacle of Jim Crow in the South at the time. Because of the New Deal, many whites felt that this was allowing blacks to advance, which caused their support to weaken in the Democratic Party. Also, Roosevelt's wife, Eleanor, was an asset to Democrats because she was socially progressive. And the and the other defining decision of minorities to convert happened in 1948 at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, as noted above, white support was already weakening in the Democratic Party. During the 1948 Democratic Convention, Southern delegates were upset by Harry S. Truman's executive order to racially integrate the armed forces. The mayor of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Hubert Humphrey, gave a speech urging the party to adopt an anti-segregationist plank, causing 35 delegates from Mississippi and Alabama to walk out. When President Truman endorsed the civil rights plank, Governor of South Carolina, Strong Thurmond, had organized the walkout of delegates into a separate party, whose platform was concerned, which was concerned with states' rights. The group of walkouts became formally known as the Dixiecrats. 
Their slogan was segregation forever. Now, although the Dixie Grant dissolved after 1948, they assimilated into the Republican Party. When members of Strong Thurmond and Jesse Ham switched their party affiliation to Republicans, their legacy remained imprinted on the minds of minorities. Many continue to see their policies and views comparable of those of the former states' right party. And then lastly, minorities' affinity to the Democratic Party was sealed in the 60s with the influence of Barry Goldwater, the Republican nominee of 1964. The Republicans adopted their conservative platform based on the principles of his book, which was written in 1960, called The Conscience of the Conservative. His book outlined the opposition to civil rights. As a senator, he voted against it because he did not agree with Title II, which outlawed discrimination in hotels, motels, restaurants, theaters, and other public accommodations engaged in interstate commerce. Republicans aligned themselves as Goldwater conservatives. In the 1980s, these values were repackaged by President Ronald Reagan as the demographics of the country changes. It is hard for the Republicans to move center or away from their core structure in order to attract a culturally mixed base. Also in the 60s, there was a Democrat as the country's leader during the signing of the Civil Rights Bill, a Civil Rights Act, and abolished segregation and allowed the people to vote without intimidation. This offered minorities opportunities for seeing prior to seal. This sealed the deal for African Americans, especially to commit to the Democratic Party. And uh, this is from uh, my book called A Profile of Hope, which is a review of the 2008 election and a compilation of speeches by Obama and McCain uh, from 2008 election. Anyway, uh, I'm saying all this to say, you know, we uh, when we're looking at the current MEA, the Republican Party, whose um, committee actually began to meet today. Um, well, the Republican National Committee's winter meeting began today. I think they will nominate or elect or uh, decide who their chairman is going to be, which is the conversation I was just having with the lady. And it's going to be hard to, uh, we were just saying regarding them picking either Blackwell or Steele as uh, the African-American base for the Republican Party. I don't know if either one of those particular guys will be able to change the course of the Republican Party as it is right now. It will be interesting to see exactly what happens. And then also you have the the issue with the conservative pundits, and one in particular, which is Rush Limbaugh. And Rush Limbaugh made this statement last Week. Got a request here from a major American print publication. Dear Rush, for the Obama Immaculate Inauguration, we are asking a handful of very prominent politicians, statesmen, scholars, businessmen, commentators, and economists to write 400 words on their hope for the Obama presidency. We would love to include you. If you could send us 400 words on your hope for the Obama presidency, we need it by Monday night. That would be ideal. 
He says that the liberals hope that Bush failed or back when Bush became president. They didn't hope that he would fail. What the liberals' issue was, did Bush win the election legitimately? That was the issue in 2000. That was the question. But once he was in office, no one hoped that he would fail. Matter of fact, when he uh, became president, there was a surplus. And the economy was actually on the rise. It had been on a steady uh, course upward. And um, no one hoped that he would fail. Now, the other piece of that is with Limbaugh saying that he hoped Obama fails now, the country is already in a shambles. You know, we're, we're into wars. The economy is at the lowest it can low of lows. People are being laid off. Major companies every day, retail stores are closing. I mean, I'm speechless at the fact that if he hopes that he fails, that means he hopes that the country will go further down than it already is. That's a scary commentary, disturbing to say the least. But that's a scary commentary. Now, he says it's not based on race, and, and I take his word for that. But regardless of race, it is a scary commentary to think that you hope that he fails because if he does fail, what is the result of his failure? And the result of his failure would be the down slope that we're already on hit bottom and we're not already right there at the bottom. We're servicing the bottom as it is. And to be at the very bottom, just, just wallowing at the bottom, would be failure for Obama. That, I, 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 I'm, again, I'm, just, I'm speechless at the fact that that would be his commentary. Now, the other piece of this is, oh, now I can't even remember the, um, the gentleman's name. There was a congressman who spoke out against, um, Limbaugh's comments. He spoke out against it, and then within 24 hours, he's coming back to say that he's sorry that he spoke out against the comments because I guess a lot of the conservatives were badgering him or probably his office, I'm sure, got many calls uh, due to that fact. But at the same token, I mean, this is at one point in time of this country that everyone should unite regardless of um, party affiliation, this, this, this um, bipartisanship stuff, um, I, it, it's, just, it's just scary. And the, the third issue, the third point of Limbaugh's uh, comment is that if Obama succeeds, Rush doesn't have anything to talk about. I mean, he's practically out of a job because that's what his whole – um, uh, commentary and his show is about. So if Obama is successful, then what does Rush have to talk about? And there goes my phone line. I can't believe I can turn that down. 
Um, anyway, um, yeah, what would he have to talk about if that happened? So, um, you know, the, the whole thing is threefold, but it, again, it is a disturbing commentary that he would uh, make that type of statement. Now, let's move on to, oh, one other thing, and I, I talked to the caller about this earlier, about uh, Sarah Paling and the Political Action Committee. Um, and as I noted with the caller, I don't think that that's going to be successful her, for her. I, you know, during the, and, and what a lot of people who don't follow politics need to understand is during the election season, you know, whatever candidate is for, uh, that's nominated in that particular party, everyone's going to unite behind the candidate who's nominated. She was picked as the VP by McCain. So, of course, the Republican Party, and I said this during the election, um, showed a united front behind uh, Governor Palin. Now, as far as Governor Palin coming out as a candidate herself for president in four years, um, that's going to be taken. This it's definitely going to have a different story behind it, a different twist. Because I don't really think that the Republican Party would unite behind her as a candidate, especially among a slate of Republican candidates. I don't think she will get out of the starting gate. And um, she uh, spoke of Romney. I I see Romney clobbering her. Although I do agree that religion will play a factor as far as Romney being nominated. But in the same token, whoever runs and what what and I um oh I I'm guessing that maybe huh, you know, I think Terry Sanford is it Terry Sanford out of South Carolina? I think that's his name. We'll probably run. But um whatever the case may be, she will get clobbered. Um in the uh, in the primary, you know, I, I, again, I just don't even think she would get out of the starting gate well. And also, I heard that she's working or trying to work on a book deal. Um, I, for whatever reason, I, I don't know her in uh, from the and I like to say this phrase from the outside looking in. I think her husband is probably pushing a lot of her stuff and and, and pushing her to do these particular things that she's done in regards, especially since um, she was nominated as the uh, VP. I, I think he's probably her driving force to keep her 15 minutes of fame ongoing. So we'll, we'll see what happens with the book deal, if that goes um, past. And what happens with this political action committee um, once it's established and um, if it's successful or not, as, as with all of this of my show today, Time will tell. Let's move to the, um, oh, there was one other thing. There was an article in, um, before I move away from the Republican and start on the Democrat, there was an um, uh, article on CNN.com titled, um, Why the GOP Can't Say Whatever It Is We're Against. And this is going back, I guess, to uh, um, segue on the Limbaugh thing. It says, who wrote this? Let's see. It's written by Julian Zelzer, Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. And again, this is at CNN.com. 
He says if Republicans wants to rebuild their party after the calamity of 2008, the party's leadership needs to avoid the Quincy Adam Wagstaff approach to politics. When Obama proposed his economic recovery bill last week, the first words that came out of the House Minority Leader's John Boxner's mouth sounded a bit like Wagstaff. With the economy imploding and the international economic crisis worsening, right now, given the concerns, quote, right now, given the concerns that we have over the size of the package and all of the spending in this package, we don't think it's going to work. And so if the plan... So it's the plan that I see today put me down in the no column. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has been more restrained in his response, leaving the door open to compromise. If Bosner is simply acting as Dr. No to get a better deal, Republicans can come out of the negotiations over the economic recovery bill as partners, planting the seeds for a new Republican approach toward dealing the economic matters. And I have to agree with this because um, uh, going back to a, a quote that my grandfather used to say all the time, you know, if you have issues with a, if a, with a problem or something, don't just say no or I don't like it. Offer a solution. So, and, and, and this is what uh, the minority Mitch McConnell is saying to, to basically the Boston. You know, we can't come out and say no if we do not offer something better, offer another deal, offer something. So, um, you know, I, I, again, the Republican Party probably wants to be a, a little careful in how this is done because, you know, the the public, especially during the election and um, with Obama pushing um, uh, McCain as another Bush and that um, basically citing Bush as the uh, person, well, he was in office when the economy went to slumps, went to the slumps. So, um, you know, when the voters voted, they voted Democrat, and they voted Democrat because they want to see the economy um, back on the rise. They want to see uh, job developments. They 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 want to work. They want to be able to find work. And you know, with the uh, economy the way it is now, and people just within the last day, last 24 hours, news cycle where the uh, a uh, couple killed the husband and wife, and the five kids died because the couple lost their job. I know there's other stuff to that story, but, you know, that's, again, you know, pretty sad in where people's state of mind are at this time, you know. And, it's, you know, it's very um, humbling to think that someone is, feels that they're going to be in that dire straits instead of just going trying to uh, go through the issue or trying to resolve it, just take out their lives and their kids. That's a, um, it's just very sad. So, you know, which is, again, states what the mindset of some people are in at this point in time in their state of mind. But, again, you know, the GOP has to be very careful in uh, how they um handle this particular situation, and especially since the public looks at the GOP as being the, the culprit that caused the economy to be where it is now. And I said I was going to move to the Democrats, and I'm going to move to the Democrats. 
All right. The senator, I mean, the governor of um, Illinois has done a media blitz in the last 24 hours. Let me see if I can get his comments in. Uh, this is from the Rachel Maddow show that he did uh, as of yesterday. Prescription drugs, the policy differences around that, the way that was done is absolutely part of the articles of impeachment, but there is also right. other stuff. You can't. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you agree that it would be it would be wrong, it would be criminal uh, for you to try to exchange Barack Obama's U.S. Senate seat, that appointment, for something that would be of value to you? you agree that that would be wrong? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, personal, you know, one for the other, personal gain? Absolutely. And you didn't do that? Absolutely not. Well, on the wiretaps, you're quoted saying it's a bleeping valuable thing. You don't just give it away for nothing. If they're not going to offer anything of value, I might just take it. I've got this thing. It's bleeping golden. I'm not just giving it up for bleeping nothing. In what possible context could you face say things like that if you weren't trying to exchange something of value for the Senate seat? What, what other context would make that? Well, let me answer that two ways. First, I can't comment specifically on that because I haven't heard those tapes. But assuming that's what it is, if you hear all the tapes and you hear the whole thing in its context, if I feared that that was something sinister or onerous, would I want all those tapes heard? And in addition to that, just playing devil's advocate. I'm not acknowledging that that's actually one of the tapes because we haven't had a chance to hear it. But play devil's advocate and assuming it was. Why can't the construction of that be, I want them to help me pass a public works program, a jobs program, that the Democratic Speaker, Mr. Madigan, has been blocking. I want them to help me help 45,000 working people get health care that the Democratic Speaker in the House has been blocking. I want them to help me have a law that requires insurance companies to cover people with pre-existing medical conditions that the Democratic Speaker has been blocking. Even if you wanted food for the hungry, I mean, even if you wanted justice itself in exchange for the Senate seat, you're not supposed to exchange anything for the Senate seat. Well, I don't, I don't disagree that one for the other isn't, but there's, there are uh, political negotiations and leveraging, uh, which is all very much part of the process. And again, if those tapes were all heard, you hear discussions uh, that I had with people from uh, my senior senator, Senator Dick Durbin, about facilitating uh, Senator Menendez, uh, Harry Reid, and I discussed the Senate seat, and I know a lot of other people. And I, I would like every one of them to be able to testify under oath, sworn testimony in that impeachment trial about the context and nature of those conversations. Are you saying that they would testify as to what you were trying to get in exchange for the appointment? I, I'm simply saying if they told the truth, they'd be part of a big story and a larger story that would, I think, show uh, you know, that there were a lot of ideas talked about. Uh, we explored different options. We looked and tried to think outside the box, like Oprah Winfrey, for example. Um, some ideas were good. Some were stupid. Uh, some you can't do. Uh, just natural discussions when you're trying to get a result that ultimately leads to the place that's right for people. And when this whole story is told, it's going to show the decisions and all the rest ultimately were about putting people to work, expanding health care, and holding the line on taxes for middle-class families. When, when you, um, again, this is from the wiretap calls, and I realize you're not going to mm -hmm. testify to their veracity, but they are out there, and the transcripts are there, and some of them were played today in the Senate. Um, speaking about Barack Obama's advisors, they're not willing to give me anything but appreciation in exchange for the Senate seat. Believe uh, that. Um, what would you want other than appreciation? What, what could be kosher to exchange for a Senate seat? Uh, how about helping us pass health care and a jobs bill and helping the people of Illinois? Don't just leave Illinois now. And, I will uh, appoint person X instead of person Y unless you do this. No, no, the, the, no. The one for the other is not. It, it, that's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying uh, I'm in a political business. Uh, when Barack Obama agreed.
squeeze to raise $10 million for Hillary Clinton to get out of the race. That's the natural political sort of thing that happens in this business. It's appropriate, nothing that you've been proper about it. Um, again, in the full context, discussions and explorations of ideas and thoughts and whether you could or couldn't do something, you, you should be able to do that in a free country that guarantees the right of free speech, especially when you're doing it in what you think is the sanctity of your home and you want to do it out of your home phone because you don't want any interconnection with the government flying so someone thinks you're talking politics on a government phone. Um, again, when the whole story is, is heard and put in the proper context, I think you'll see a process that ultimately, ultimately would, would lead in the right place. Okay. Have you ever met someone, I'm sure you have, where, you know, they think that they're very smart and they think that they can out-talk you, but they're not that smart at all? Okay. That's, and I, I, let me give you a video. I'm sitting here holding my head because this man gives me a headache. Unbelievable. He's an idiot. His own attorney, well, former attorney because, the attorney dropped him because he doesn't listen. He decided he needed to take he needed to go on this media blitz. The man talks too much. And in this particular interview, I don't know if you caught it, but he basically admits that yeah, he does think that you should trade favors. Now he doesn't say money no, but yeah, you know, I was thinking that, you know, they owed me for um, the people of Illinois, health care, he, he, and, the, and the interview was an hour long. Through the whole interview, he threw in that health care line, I don't know how many times, I, I should have counted, but beep, beep, every time he threw it in. But he's an idiot, and he talks too much, and he just talked himself, I think, into a hole. I think. He thought when he did this media stuff that he could have people see it his way. And what he's done is tainted himself and the whole process and what's going to happen. And he says he's no Nixon, that he wants the case to come out. And you know what? So do I, and so does everybody else, because he's an idiot. <laughs> anyway, i got to fast forward because I'm running out of time. Uh, one other thing that's, that's happened, um, Obama did an interview with the um, uh, Muslim TV, what was the station, uh, Al-Dabaya, I'm sure I'm, I'm screwing up the pronunciation of this, is A-L, that's A-R-A-B-I-Y-A, I thought it was going to be Al Jazeera, but it's not them. Um, the station is out of Dubai. Anyway, um he says, it says, and I'm reading this from CNN.com right quick. It says, President said his administration will offer a hand of friendship to the Muslim world, but will hunt down terrorist organizations and kill innocent civilians. He says, quote, my job to the Muslim world is to communicate that the Americans are not your enemy. We sometimes make mistakes. We have not been perfect. And uh, this is definitely a change from what we saw from the last administration um, especially for the fact that he's even done an interview with this particular um, uh, news organization. So, you know, he did speak of change, and we'll see what happens, especially in regard to 
what direction he takes us in regard to the stimulus plan and with this interview that he's done with the Muslim um, Muslim world. We'll see if this makes any difference uh, where the American public stands in their eyes. Anyway, I greatly appreciate you guys listening to Carol Live. Uh, feel free to hit me up next week. I'm here at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and check out the website at caralive.com. Again, I thank you all for listening to Kara Live.